Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> The Peter Schiff Show. Well, this is the first podcast I've been able to record since uh, the death of my father, Erwin Schiff, who passed away on Friday. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about my father. Uh, but if you are interested in learning more about him and uh, what he stood for and the things that he did and, and, and the circumstances surrounding his death, uh, I would definitely encourage you uh, to do that. If you go to my website at Shift Radio, you can read the commentary slash obituary that I wrote myself about my father called Death of a Patriot. There are also a lot of other articles that have been written about him since, uh, since his death, many of which I have linked to to on my Facebook page, which, by the way, we're getting close to now 100,000 likes on Facebook. If you haven't already uh, liked me, I would suggest that you do that uh, while you're looking at some of these articles about my dad, although I only uh, scratched the surface. If you Google Erwin Schiff, there is a lot of information. Also on YouTube, I linked to my father's debate. He did run for uh, the Libertarian nomination for president in 1996. And I linked to a YouTube video that is on my channel. I copied it to my channel, uh, which shows uh, the debate. You know, he, he, he lost the nomination to Harry Brown. Harry Brown, you can see, is up there on the dais. But it's just some of the comments that my father made. You know, I wish, uh, you know, we had that kind of passion, uh, uh, compassion rather, maybe from Rand Paul uh, running uh, uh, this year. But you can watch that video. There are a lot of other videos. You know, if you have the time, I don't have it on my channel, but it's up there. My father had a video uh, that he used to sell. It's now on the Internet called The Secrets of Living a Tax-Free Life. And it's about a three-hour video. You can see the whole thing online if you really want to get a good understanding of my father's philosophy, why he believed what he believed. Uh, but, 
he was in jail and he did die in jail as a result of those beliefs. I mean, he really was a political prisoner. You know, in my book, uh, in my, the original version of one of my books, I referred to him as a quasi-political prisoner, and that upset my dad, and, and I think he was right. So in a later version, I took out the word quasi and, and just, uh, you know, in the dedication, referred to him as a political prisoner because he was imprisoned for his beliefs, not only for what he believed, but for having the audacity, as far as the government was concerned, to actually act on his beliefs and stand up for his constitutional rights and try to force the government to abide by the law and the fact that we imprison people for that type of conduct should be very scary uh, for us as Americans because we really do not want that type of action to be met with a prison. Certainly, you know, a 77-year-old man sentenced to 14 years in prison, uh, which really amounts to a life sentence. And, of course, if you get no medical care, which was the case with my father, and while you're in prison, you lose all your teeth and you lose your eyesight. and You eventually die to cancer, uh, which was a skin cancer and turned into a lung cancer, uh, which would have been treated had my father not been incarcerated. And for those of you who believe in government health care, that's what my father got in a United States prison. He got government health care. And so he he died as a result of uh, the incompetence of the government when it comes to health care. But, you know, don't worry. They did manage to install a lot of solar panels on top of the parking lot uh, in the prison where they were not giving him uh, adequate medical care. But it is very scary when you empower government to imprison uh, critics of government because government oftentimes uh, can be very uh, oppressive. And one of the main checks is the citizenry uh, that can oppose Uh, that government power and growth of power. And if the government can just throw people in prison uh, for uh, standing up to the government, it it, it makes for a very oppressive society. In a free society, uh, even if my father was wrong, the penalty should be civil. If the government believed my father owed a tax, let the government uh, go after him civilly. If he is protesting taxation based on a good faith belief that the government is collecting the tax in violation of law, in violation of his constitutional rights, uh, then a free exercise of those rights uh, should not result in prison. And in fact, there are very few countries in the world where uh, not paying taxes lands you in jail. It may land you in court, but it doesn't put you behind bars. And so we really need to think about this uh, as America. I mean, how much freedom and liberty this nation has lost over the years. But doing research on on Erwin Schiff. Uh, I'm not advocating that you follow uh, his advice to not pay income taxes because, you know, again, it's not because I think my father's uh, theories are wrong. In fact, I think there's a lot of validity to what he says. I think much of his reading of the law is accurate. Uh, but I just don't have confidence in the U.S. judiciary. I think it is extremely corrupt, and I think it doesn't matter what the law is. Uh, We're no longer a nation of laws. We're a nation of men, of very corrupt men, and they run the government. And, you know, there's an old saying, don't fight City Hall. Well, the IRS is a lot more powerful, unfortunately, than City Hall. But my father didn't care. My father was steadfast in his beliefs, and uh, he, he, he tried. And, in fact, even when he knew he had the cancer, he still waited a couple, a week or so before moving for the ca- uh, 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 compassionate release, which ultimately wasn't even granted, because he didn't want to get out on compassionate release. He wanted to get out on his appeals. In fact, I tried to encourage compassionate release 
uh, a year ago, just based on his age and other ailments that he had and based on the fact that uh, the government was talking about a program for older inmates who had already served a, lo a long time. My dad was in jail for 10 years out of the 14 uh, and was not in great health. I didn't even know about the cancer when we first started to do this. But my father was saying, no, he didn't want to get out that way. He wanted to get out on uh, his legal arguments. He didn't want the, the you know, he didn't want to let the government off the hook uh, in getting out. And I would say, Dad, what difference does it make? You just got to get out of jail. But he didn't want to get out unless he can get out on his terms. He wanted to get out based on the law. And I kept trying to tell my dad, doesn't matter what the law is. The, the, the courts are corrupt. And as corrupt as my father knew uh, the courts were, he still believed that he would prevail. That's how strong his convictions were. In fact, he was espousing uh, his ideas right up until the point that he died. In fact, one of the last things my father said to me, he wanted me to continue his lawsuits on behalf of his estate for false imprisonment. This is one of the last things my father was able to say as, you know, as the cancer was rendering him unable to talk. So uh, up to his dying breath, he still believed, uh, uh, ex you know, extremely passionately in everything that landed him in jail. But anyway, I didn't even mean to talk this much about the topic. Uh, but do your research yourself. Read my article, Death of a Patriot, uh, and, 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 and watch and, and, and read about my father. But I'm not advocating that people follow in his footsteps and, and resist government tyranny because it may, uh, you may end up uh, in jail uh, the, way my, the way my father did. But let me go and, and get to the, the markets and what happened. You know, the Dow was up better than 300 points today. Big rally. And you might want to know why. Where did this strength come from? Well, it came from overseas. It came from Europe and the ECB and Draghi's press conference, where Draghi suggested that the ECB was considering expanding its quantitative easing program. Now, he didn't say that they were going to expand it. He simply said that they discussed expanding it, which really doesn't mean anything because they may reject it, right? But they're discussing it. They're talking about it. It's kind of the way the Fed is talking about raising interest rates. They haven't actually done it, and I don't think they have any intention of doing it. And maybe the ECB doesn't have any intention of actually increasing the amount of quantitative easing they're already doing. In fact, I think they might end up tapering it off. But nonetheless, they want everybody to think that they might do more because I think they tried to talk the euro down. The euro was getting strong, and I think they wanted to talk it down, and they did. And the euro dropped better than 2% today. And that sent global stock markets rising, the idea that more cheap money is on the way, uh, the uh, ECB cavalry to the rescue. And so everybody went up based on this talk. But again, they didn't actually do anything. They just, you know, jawbone the markets based on the idea that they might do even more QE than they're already doing. But this was a euro story because the dollar... Uh, was only up really against the euro. I mean, it was up a little bit against some currencies, but look at the New Zealand dollar. The New Zealand dollar was up 1.3% against the dollar today. That means it was up 3.3% against the euro. And gold was only down about a buck in terms of dollars, which means it was up 2% in terms of euros. So if you were European, uh, you saw a big jump in the price of gold. Silver was still up about 15 cents 
in dollars, despite the big jump in the dollar index, which, of course, is heavily weighted into the euro. And, of course, that means in euro terms, that was an even a bigger rally in the price of silver. Even gold stocks managed to have a pretty good day today. Normally, when the dollar is strong, that is not the case. But today was not about a strong dollar. It was about a weak euro. But you know what? I think this is, again, laying the foundation for the Fed Again, not to raise interest rates, not that they ever were, but the fact that the ECB is now talking about being even easier. I think the same thing happens with the Fed, although in the Fed's case, it will simply be not raising rates right, and or stop talking about raising them. But at some point, I think the Fed is going to be launching its own version of QE. In fact, the Fed, not its own version, we're the ones that pioneered it here. But I think that the Fed is more likely to launch another round of QE before the ECB gets around to increasing the size of the QE program that is already underway. And in fact, the reason that Draghi suggested that they were looking at increasing QE was because they were concerned that inflation was too low. That is their worry. Inflation, according to Draghi, the way it's measured by their equivalent of the CPI, is running annually at 0.9%. So it's still positive. It's almost 1%. And he acknowledged that part of the reason that it's that low uh, is because of oil prices, which he expects to rise. So I'm not sure you know, you know, how much longer they even think inflation is going to be this low. But according to Draghi, it is a problem. He wants inflation to be close to, but not as high as 2%. It needs to be close to 2%, but not 2%. So what is that? 1.9, right? That's the holy grail of inflation as far as the ECB is concerned, 1.9%. And, you know, there was one guy from the Wall Street Journal asked a good question. He asked Draghi, why are you want to spend all this money, right, buying up government bonds, printing up all these euros? Why do you want to do this just to make inflation higher when you've said in the past that low inflation is good, in that it means that people have more purchasing power, especially if you're poor, if food is cheaper, if energy is cheaper. This is all good. I mean, Draghi had even pointed out when prices are low, people can buy more. So if low prices mean consumers can buy more, why should the central bank try to prevent that? Why should it spend a bunch of money to raise everybody's cost of living? Right. And of course, the answer is they shouldn't. But Draghi came up with a ridiculous answer to explain uh, why 0.9% uh, inflation was so bad and why it was worth all this money to get it back up to 1.9. And first of all, you got to ask yourself this, this question. How is it that 0.9% inflation is bad? 2% inflation or 2.1% inflation is also bad. But 1.9 is perfect. Why? I mean, why is it so magic about that number? Everything is horrible if inflation is 0.9 or 2.1, but it's awesome if it's 1.9. Everything is awesome at 1.9 inflation. Why? I mean, who, who figured this out? What formula shows that that is the ideal amount of inflation? And even if it is, what makes a central banker thinks that they can pinpoint it so accurately? I mean, what if in trying to bring inflation from 0.9 to 1.9, what if we overshoot and we get 2.9? Now what? 
Now the Fed has to slam on the, not the Fed, the ECB has to slam on the brakes. They've got to jack interest rates way up. I mean, wouldn't that be very disruptive and very painful if they had to go from creating inflation to fighting inflation? Right? It's like a fireman comes to your house and he lights a fire, but he thinks, oh, it's a small little fire. He shows up. There's not a big fire there. Let me set up a little. And then all of a sudden, the whole house is on fire. Now he's got to put it out. I mean, does the, does the ECB really want to go from creating inflation to trying to put it out? Because what if trying to fight 2.9% inflation to bring it down to one9 what if that is worse for the economy than the 0.9% was? So it, to me, it seems like, again, a case of being careful what you wish for. Because they might end up getting a lot more inflation than they bargained for. And then the problem of trying to put that inflation genie back in that bottle is going to be much greater than the problem of leaving inflation at 0.9% and being happy with it. They should be happy. But here are the reasons. This is what Draghi said. One, he said that if we have low inflation, like 0.9, that it, it makes debt harder to repay. It increases the burden of debt. No, it doesn't. Any inflation reduces the debt burden. So if you have inflation of 0.9 per year, that means the real value of your debt goes down by 0.9 per year. Now, what Draghi was actually saying was that it doesn't reduce debt enough. We want to reduce debt by 1.9% a year to help out the debtors, not 0.9%. But why is it good economics to transfer wealth from debtors to creditors? Why is that good if the, if the, gov if the government, the central bank, decides to make that a redistribution? Who says that that's positive for the economy? I don't think it is for the government to decide that one group of people should have money taken from them and given it to another group of people. You know, take money away from debtors and, and, uh, and, and take money away from creditors, rather, and give it to debtors. So that makes no sense. The other thing that he said was about wages. He said that if we, if we have low inflation, then real wages are going to be rising, and that's a problem. Why? You know, I mean, is the ECB really saying that we, we're worried about wages going up in real terms? Now, you know, of course, they are worried because they know wages are too high based on government rules. And so what they're saying is the government has artificially jacked up wages and we need inflation to undo the damage that the government has done. Well, then why doesn't he just come out and say it? And of course, what's really too high is not necessarily wages, but labor costs. And a good portion of labor costs have to do with government mandates. And it's much better to reduce labor costs by getting rid of all those government-imposed mandates so that wages can actually be higher in real terms. But the whole idea that we need inflation so that we can reduce real wages uh, is complete nonsense. We want workers to have higher wages, but we want them to have higher wages in a free market based on the increased value of their productivity. And of course, all of that is being undermined by the Fed's quest, or the ECB's quest in this case, to generate inflation higher than what it is. And of course, another thing that Draghi says is he said, you know what, we think the numbers are not accurate. He said, based on the Boskin report from the U.S., right, where the Boskin concluded that the CPI understated inflation, he's worried that the European version of the CPI is also understating inflation. And so he wants to make sure that inflation is higher just in case it's being understated. Well, Boskin was a lie. It was a fraud. That was propaganda. The CPI is understating, not overstating inflation. And so it's actually the reverse. But, you know, we've got this same nonsense going on in Europe as we do here. 
uh, the public believes it. But these are these central bankers. They're trying to prop up the stock market. They're trying to prop up the governments. And when they're talking about debt, when they're talking about wiping out debt, the real debt the central banks want to wipe out is government debt. Governments in Europe are in a lot of debt, not as much as the U.S. in total, but they're the debtors that the central banks want to help out. They want to steal money from the people and give it to the government by wiping out the value of the debt that the government has run up to the people. And this is not what central banks are supposed to do. They're not there to, to redistribute wealth to the government from the people. They're supposed to be independent. They're supposed to be a check on big government spending. But instead, they want to make it easier for governments to borrow money and spend it by then reducing the value of the debt that they borrowed so that by the time they repay it, uh, the, the lender gets repaid in, in debased money. But that is all that is going on. There is no real rationale uh, for wanting more inflation, but these central bankers try to rationalize it. And to anyone who understands economics, they look like fools in the process. Now, another reason that the U.S. market might have been so strong today was all the weak economic data that came out during the day. The only data I think that was stronger than expected was the housing uh, information and that, that, that the uh, existing home sales came out, I think, a little bit above uh, expectations. But everything else uh, came out pretty weak. The Chicago Fed National Activity Index, which was negative 0.41 last month, that was a pretty bad number. They were expecting another negative number uh, for September, but just 0.5. Instead, we got minus 0.37, almost as bad as last month, which was revised to minus 0.39, so slightly less bad, but still pretty bad. And back to back, these are about the two worst months we've had in years for the Chicago National Fed Activity Index. Also, leading uh, economic indicators came out. This is the biggest drop in almost three years. Uh, we went to negative 0.2. Negative 0.2 on the leading economic indicators. This is the lowest we've been uh, since early 2012 in the LEI. And they revised last month from a positive 0.1 to an unchanged. So this signifies that recession is looming. Also, the Kansas City Fed Manufacturing Index negative again, not quite as big and negative as the prior month, but still in the minus sign there. And in fact, if you look at uh, Bloomberg's Economic Expectation Index, this has uh, now plunged to the lowest level since 2013. Uh, all these indicators suggesting weakness, recession on the horizon. And again, that is music to the ears of the Wall Street traders because they've all been dancing to the Fed's tune, right? And they want to make sure the Fed keeps playing uh, by not raising rates and eventually doing more quantitative easing. And that is exactly, unfortunately, what they are going to do. You know, all the major central banks are going to be doing that. Uh, but uh, the, the minor banks, in fact, one of the reasons, probably the main reason that the uh, New Zealand dollar was up so strongly is because the ECB said, or not the ECB, the Central the Reserve Bank in New Zealand said there's no room to cut rates. So they're not talking about rate cuts. Uh, so that currency went up. And I don't think these smaller economies that don't have the big debt problem, New Zealand doesn't have all this government debt that they can't repay. And there are a lot of other countries, too, that don't have this huge debt problem, that don't have to transfer wealth uh, from creditors to debtors, that don't have to prop up their governments and their markets. And they are not going to be 
uh, following these Pied Pipers of inflation down this primrose path, this is going to change, and I think you're going to see a big drop in the dollar. The dollar index rose today on the back of a weak euro, but again, beneath the surface, there are currencies that are gaining strength, and they're going to continue to gain strength, especially when the, the Fed has to come clean. And the Fed has to start talking about easing, just like the ECB is talking about easing. They're still bluffing as if they're going to tighten. They're still bluffing that they're going to raise rates, that they're going to shrink their balance sheet. Well, eventually, the markets are going to have to call that bluff. There's so much factually incorrect information and underreporting by legacy media today. Shouldn't there be truth in media? Well, there is. Truth in Media. Recently, a novel thought is now a reality with TruthinMedia.com. Led by award-winning journalist Ben Swan, TruthinMedia.com is the source for uninfluenced, reliable, fearless news where journalists pursue real questions, not conspiracies. Make TruthinMedia.com your default browser's homepage today and get breaking news and commentary that speaks the truth to power. It's also where you can tune into The Peter Schiff Show every week. Visit TruthinMedia.com today. That's truthinmedia.com. Access the Truth in Media RS feed by visiting truthinmedia.com forward slash feed. Attention listeners, I have an urgent message for you. We're in the middle of a war. The global conflict is destroying the lives of millions without a single bomb being dropped. It's called the International Currency War, and your bank account has been drafted to fight. The victims in this conflict are our currencies, the dollar, the euro, the yen, the pound. They're all heading to zero as irresponsible central banks compete to see who can print the most the fastest. But there's one form of money politicians and central banks can't destroy, gold. Today, it's more important than ever to understand the value of gold in your portfolio and to keep a close eye on major market developments. Subscribe to my monthly video cast and you'll be the first to hear my latest analysis on gold investing and the currency wars. Visit goldvideocast.com right now to subscribe for free. I call the dot-com bust, then the housing bust, and I advise clients to diversify into foreign equities and hard assets while the rest of Wall Street laughed at me. Now I want to keep you up to date on the next crisis that is brewing. My gold video cast also includes personal interviews I've conducted with other contrarian investors like Jim Rickards and Axel Merck. Gold has gone up 256% since 2003, but it has a lot further to go. Don't miss the rally. You can prosper during this time of currency wars, but only if you stay educated. Get a free subscription to my gold video cast at goldvideocast.com. That's goldvideocast.com.